Hey, how's it going, Universe? Welcome to another episode of Zoobox Goes to the Movies. I'm joined again with past and future guests, Big Paul. How's it going, Big Paul? Yo, it's going well. How are you? Oh, you know. <laughs> Surviving. Still coming on the, 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 the bottom swing of uh, coronavirus right now. You flattened the curve. I flattened the curve in the house, yes. <laughs> We've done all we can. It's been a, a veritable war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the jungle. Did you lose the uh, sense of taste and smell? No, uh, my my wife lost her sense of smell. She still hasn't gotten it back yet. But, you know, whatever. Now I'm just always going to be smell great. You know, it's always going to (laughs) be less showering, less expensive soaps. Yeah. It's little things you gotta take advantage of. Like, right? say, if I had come home from the Vietnam jungle and not washed, I'd be okay. She wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wipe down all that Irish Spring, man. What do you think? <laughs> I just think, ooh, ooh, I, th- I thought you were going to shower, <laughs> but but I'm mess. I'm not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? That's what I'd say. I'd be like a. What's his name? Ronnie from fucking Born on the Fourth of July. How dare you? Just wheel around <laughs> and shit. All right, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the Oliver Stone film from 1986, Platoon. Uh, the plot synopsis is a young soldier in Vietnam faces a moral crisis when confronted with the horrors of war and the duality of man. Well, that's pretty sure. succinct. That's pretty succinct. I think that's actually a pretty fair log line a pretty fair elevator pitch relatively speaking the other ones right the other ones what the other vietnam movies that you read right like take the fight club and everything (laughs) so it was written by oliver stone based on his experiences from being in vietnam uh the film stars charlie sheen fun fact actually emilio estevas was originally cast uh charlie sheen tried to get the part and then they told him he was too young. And then his brother is Emilio. He got cast. And then the production got put on hold for like three years. And then when it came back around, Charlie was old enough. So they cast Charlie. Uh, but th- they're, both, they're both the sons of Martin Sheen, who is star of one of the most famous Vietnam movies, Apocalypse Now. So I thought it was weird that even the second choice, or the, actually the original first choice was Emilio. Just because of the connection with their father being in Apocalypse Now, so either either way, it has this kind of weird meta quality to it. Um, yeah, and then it stars Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, both nominated for Academy Awards for this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, Francesco Quinn, Kevin Dillon. Good old yeah. Kevin Dillon. I forgot about Kevin Dillon. I was like, oh, he plays a great piece of shit. <laughs> Charlie. Johnny Drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, John C. McKinley, uh, who's another great character actor that you just kind of forget about sometimes because he hasn't really done much in the past, like, ten years. He got on that show Scrubs, and then he just became, mm. like, a sitcom guy, which is so weird because he comes from, like, this really playing these really intense characters all throughout the 80s and 90s, these kind of loose cannon guys. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then it stars other people, you know? <laughs> It's got a bit. 
It's got a big cast, and a lot of the people, like you know Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, these were kind of early roles for them. Keith David had been around for a while. He'd done a few John Carpenter movies. He had done The Thing. He had done They Live by this point. Uh, but this was a kind of a big thing. Forrest Whitaker, I think this is one of his first movies, first film movies. Um, so what's your what's our personal history with Platoon? What's it was in the color of money, which just came out in the same year. So yeah, it is either his first or his second one. Yeah, yeah, this was around the time when he started getting into films. I think you know he'd probably you know coming out of school theater stuff like everybody, like all these actors. Yeah. Stage, yeah, they love the stage. They love it. They love it. They say it's very freeing. Fucking actors. Bunch of hacks. Bunch of hacks. <laughs> get sent to the jungle by Oliver Stone. So we have a we have a personal history with this movie. I like I said before we started the show. I was like I did not realize how many times I've seen Platoon. Mm-hmm. It's probably been like a decade, maybe more, maybe like fifteen years since I've watched it. But I think I watched this in high school like thirty times. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, what really got me on there because I asked like we could talk about this one because uh, just like going through this, we're thinking like, man, what do I need to revisit now? Because it's been a lot of fun revisiting these older films. And then I was just thinking about like, man, like I own that like on DVD. That was one of the first DVDs I bought, yeah. right? At Walmart special, and yeah, it's like you know, we watch it a gross amount of times. I'm just trying to think like, why did I like it so much? Or you know, and yeah. just like everything, I think like on the surface, whenever it was. Uh, you forget like what a violent movie it is, right? And I well, especially watching it, watching it like relative to the modern era, where everything is so politically correct, everything's so kind of uh, watered down. Yeah, like this movie is like really. <laughs> I was thinking about when I was watching. I'm like, could, would you even be allowed to make this now? Just because it's obviously it has this historical context, and people right. act like they did in Vietnam in the in the uh, in the sixties late 60s like people would even have a problem with like representing this behavior not not the things that they do in war but just their personalities right they really are they're men of the era right right and i just feel like nowadays it kind of reminded me like when we talked about fight club a couple weeks ago it's the same thing it's just like could we could you even get away with this and this even more so because it's a historical thing but now people don't care about history anymore and it's always like <laughs> they judge everything through the lens of today rather than kind of putting things into context. I was, right. I was curious, like, if they would just kind of excoriate the filmmakers and the cast and the actors for acting this way, right? Like, we almost act like they're it's they're actually doing it in the right. modern era. It's weird because right. uh, this is it's a it's a rough it's a I don't, I don't know if it's a rough movie in the sense of like the characters because I felt like oh this is just kind of how young guys act. You know, like that's kind yeah. of like part of the thing with, you know, the bonding experience of being young, whether you're in war or wh- or wherever, everybody kind of treated and talked to each other this way. Although I was thinking about it, I'm like, did our, was our behavior like influenced by watching something like Platoon at like 14? Probably. Like the way we spoke to each other, the things we would say, the kind of music we wanted to listen to. The destruction of personal property and just- <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like we need them that. A couple of cool kids listening to White Zombie breaking in the cabins, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, we were clear. It was 20 years ago, so I think uh, I think we're quick. Yeah, the, the statute the statute of limitations is up on that. You can't come get us now. 
<laughs> but uh, not right up. Are you uh, uh, competent this evening? This conversation being fueled by anything? Oh yeah, actually yes. Well, just our old standby. Just my old standby because uh, that's all I got because I can't leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> Slow and steady. Yeah. So I've been enjoying Whistling Pig, particularly their piggyback, six years age. Now Whistling Pig has got a it's very sentimental for my family for a conversation I will not get into, but it's distilled up in Vermont, and this rye is banging. You get the very same spicy, spicy flavor as you do with rye. This one, specifically a lot of black pepper, a lot of cinnamon. Ooh. Aged in a barrel, maple syrup residue, and a little vanilla finish. Mm. So for the people that like to taint their uh, whiskey in the form of an old napkin or sour or anything like that, this would be a really good one to do it with because it's so spicy. But um, just as it should be drank, like a man about to go into Vietnam, it's good neat and it's very delicious. And it is worth uh, whatever I paid for it. So, yeah, is that cheers. Uh, Jim Beam's still good. <laughs> I mean, I still drink Tullamore Dew every now and then. So, do you really? So yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But there's just so much, so much whiskey out there. Just, oh, I know. It's you like I when I found point. when I found the good liquor store. It was just kind of crazy how many options mm-hmm. there were. It's like overwhelming. Like you don't know where to start, and then you're like, I'm trying to like Google stuff. I'm, I could have spent three hours in there just like looking at stuff. Mm. Now, one of these days, man, that guy sent you some Japanese shit. They uh, they actually have a very long history of distilling whiskey out there. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, they have some good, good smoky stuff, man. Good smoky stuff. Yeah, I've been meaning to over the past couple of years because you've been mentioning that occasionally. You're like, oh, it's just Japanese whiskey. I've always meant to try one. I never have. Yeah. So maybe next time. Next, maybe someday we'll do uh, an Akira Kurosawa or a Samurai movie or something. Get some yeah. Japanese whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Cloon, man, how was it revisiting it? Just overall, like, reaction. Yeah, that's what I was trying to kind of formulate in my mind. Uh, I think it's okay. I think it's like a very solid movie, a very well-made movie. It feels very... I don't know if it's just because so many years have gone by and so many things were influenced by Platoon. So not Mm -hmm. only have I seen Platoon an ungodly amount of times, I've seen everything that came after it, right? And because uh, it is very like archetypal, the story it's got almost like this coming of age structure to it, um, the rites of passage, that kind of stuff. So it feels very much like one of those movies in an archetypal sense. And I think the reason why Stone did that, he I think he did that intentionally, is to he wanted people to empathize and feel like it was what it felt like to be in Vietnam. So he wanted to present them with a story that they were kind of already familiar with, like mm-hmm. in structure structure sense, right? Because there's clear heroes, there's clear villains. Um, you know what I mean? I don't know what, what was. So I thought it was okay. I I I can't say that I would put it in my favorite like war movies ever. What did you think right. of it? What did you think of it revisiting it? Yeah, uh, revisiting it, like uh, c- kind of similar. Like uh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. 
um, performance driven. Um, it just Defoe, Berenger, man, just uh, just awesome. They're mm-hmm. just awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's just like kind of thinking about. It, I keep going through my head like this is not so much a war movie as it is a story of like adolescence. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it's but like if you really break it, break down like you could say that about like any movie. Well, it's about this. Now, you know that's just the background, but but like the Vietnam War is almost I can't say innocuous, but because uh, obviously it was driving a lot of you know drama and like tension in into it, but it was really like the movie was at the end is just really about like uh, Sheen's character, you know, uh, Private Taylor, really uh, coming into his own, and it kind of goes in and out, and I uh, look at it just kind of like how the narrative uh, was used, and then it wasn't used to just somewhere where like where he was in that transition of the kind of finding himself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it gets to that a little bit later, but like, uh, but yeah. Overall, I was just, I was just like really chilling on this one early in the week. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was actually a war movie. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I know it sounds crazy saying that, but the more I think about it, just like thinking about like uh, what it was about and everything. Uh, I, so I had a lot of fun thinking about that. But, but just like overall, like uh, the score of that movie from that French dude. Um, oh, the ad- uh, Adagio of the Strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just like uh, it, it felt it, like a. It, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's fine. I said I. I actually felt like it was a little hammy. Yeah, because they use it a lot. Like yeah. anytime they're supposed to be like, this is dramatic, this is sad. Even if the characters aren't acting like it's sad, it's sad. Like so, the movie opens with that because Charlie Sheen's character is getting shipped off to Vietnam, and they're seeing all the bodies, right? All the, bo- all the body bags being loaded. That's the first time you hear Adagio of the Strings. And uh, and I think it's like effective there, but then they just keep using it. I think it's the only other piece of music in the movie. Is it the only piece of music in the movie? I was trying to think, is there a score? So I was thinking about it. Yeah, it's that same six-minute-long piece that they will like, play throughout the movie. Other than that, it's just the, uh, the sounds of what's going on uh, in the scene. right? And I was just... I was thinking, like, um, you know, was that done on purpose just to show the monotony of you know being in this uh, hellhole in the jungle, right? This is going to happen. So, and to the point where it like it starts off being powerful when you're introduced to everything, and then there's so much chaos, there's so much blood, there's so much savagery, and then this is still playing in the background, so it becomes your kind of personal hell. Constantly listen to it, it becomes like a torture in itself. Okay, kind of remind. And so I was kind of like wondering, like. Uh, because it just bring about like that is the only I believe that's the only piece no, that's it is. in there. Yeah, I just and, looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just in there and I was thinking about that. Like I'm like that that was probably done on purpose is like, you know, another like conscious hell like uh layered like into this overall thing of just, just constant loop and you know Yeah. Um, yeah. Well this is really this is Stone's, uh, it's technically his fourth movie, but it's really his third movie. Like, he made a movie in the early 70s, did a couple shorts, and then he did uh, uh, The Hand, and then the other movie he made that you might have seen, I think it came out the same year, was Salvador, the one with James Woods, about he's the war photographer, um, before he made this. So I think some of this is just him not being, like, uh, kind of, he's a little, it's a little amateurish almost. Because mm-hmm. it's it it's just so obvious. Like by the time Willem Dafoe dies, and then it starts again during that scene, I'm kind of rolling my eyes a little bit. 
it almost like becomes a joke. It almost becomes like a meme. Like you said, maybe that's the intention, right? Okay. But I, I think to me, it came off as like very uh, hacky, like in the sense of like this is an emotional part. This is emotional. Right. Pay attention. This is emotional. Like anytime something like that happened, uh, that song would come into play. Anytime there would be like a, melod- a melodramatic kind of almost like soap opery kind of moment, that would come yeah, in. Great scene when uh, Dylan's character, you know, is lighting up the shack. Then he like goes a cigarette. You know, that's when it starts queuing up again when we turn up the village. You know, but it because yeah, it's, it's sad, um, motherfucker. Yeah, it was either like uh, it was either intentional uh, to emphasize like that point, or it was an amateur mistake. Well, I think it's intentional. Either I think either way, it's intentional. Either way, like if it work, it might work for people. I think you know, it probably maybe it worked for you a little more than it worked for me. Yeah, revisiting either it was annoying but then when i was thinking about why it was annoying i was like oh i get it or do i get it i don't know (laughs) it just is like one of those emotionally manipulative like uh filmmaker tricks you know you put sad music under a sad moment so people know to feel sad or you put silly music under a silly moment so people know that it's light and silly you know what i mean and it just uh the fact that it's only that piece of music made it just stick out to me more as like being kind of odd and i was looking at some uh some of the history of the movie and apparently that was a post-production decision and it was the editor suggested like oh you should play this during some of these moments and then that just became the only thing they played other than source music from the era obviously you know because there's a bunch of there's a few vietnam era songs right um yeah, so basically everybody, Platoon is a piece of shit. Uh, don't waste your time. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really are though. But how about like coming off like what I enjoyed like uh, this time that I don't remember, even though we watched it a gazillion times. It was a good one. Uh, uh, Private Taylor's coming off the plane, uh, you know, all clean, pre- freshly pressed, and then he locks eyes with the uh, with the vet who's been there for a while. And they just go, they lose log, and they're both thinking like the exact same thing. Like, what the fuck did that, that guy see? And he's like, oh man, this guy. <laughs> just like, that's just like such a, that was a great, that was great, um, no no dialogue at all. It was just like a great scene, like uh, walking into it, then just immediately getting into the ship. So, yeah. 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 Well, and, that's that. what you, and that's what you see, like, right off the bat with that character. Like, you know, when you get dropped off in Vietnam, like, it just starts. There is no comfort. Even just walking through the jungle to get to your base camp is struggle. It's work. Yep. It's hard. It's out. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Sheen's character is obviously, you know, kind of representative as like, you know, the new guy. So he's really soft. And then you mm-hmm. see the juxtaposition between leadership about who's kind of like going to be caring to that happening to you. And then the guys that are like, get the fuck up. <laughs> like, yeah. No, which is no. which is kind of represented by I would say uh, Behringer and Defoe. They're kind of like uh, Behringer's like the old school, the old boys, and mm-hmm. then uh, Defoe is counterculture, like drugs, you know, hippie stuff, feelings. Well, yeah, the, the nurturing one, right? And and that's the kind of thing is like in his narration, right? So uh, uh, Taylor's obviously writing to his grandma. Uh, it's not said, but he obviously has issues with his parents. He's not talking to them. Right. Uh, even yeah, like because he because he tell mom. The, yeah. Well, he joined the army, dropped out of school. Well, yeah. That's just right. Yes, he's a rich kid. He's a rich kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But 
Yeah, but just trying to find his own like uh, story too, right? Uh, grandpa in World War One, my dad in World War Two, and he's trying to find you know this is my you know like uh, my uh, my contribution to you know the country you know and everything like that and, yeah, like real annoying like you know nineteen twenty year old kid type of stuff. But like uh, but just kind of uh, like abandoning that, searching for a purpose, and then uh, like when I look into this, and just uh, just finding like a new parents in both like Barringer and Defoe's characters going yeah. there. Helping with that journey and like uh, he kind of sides both and uh, you know and I feel like another thing I was thinking I was like man the older I get the more I think every plot is just a different version of Lord of the Flies. So, <laughs> well, yeah, a lot yeah, of like, everything kind of stirs from or is pulled from the same well, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just like uh, even like uh, there are like all a lot of people are there, you know, Defoe's and Baron's character over there. Wow, they're hardened. Like these are all like relatively like young people like out there like all like under thirty out there. So you just think about it, like a bunch, bunch of boys out on a stranded island in the jungle, and then you gets divisive, and then one that are more, you know, compassionate, and one that are more you know mob rule and things like that. And those type of like uh, you know, basic humanity like conflicts going on with that like dr- driving through there. So that was just another thing I was like. No, like, I, uh, I I think uh, the Lord of the Flies kind of parallel is very apt. For what happens in the story, you know, <clears throat> and just in huh. terms of their behavior, you know, it's just like out there, everybody kind of there is no sympathy in the jungle, right? Everybody's kind of self-serving out there for themselves, except for the new guys who are too stupid to know that they need to be like that to kind of survive. Right. Uh, and then, you know, but then you, that's juxtaposed with kind of Defoe's character, who is the more, like you said, more nurturing more understanding. He actually wants people to survive. You know, mm-hmm. he's looking out for their best interests. He's t- when he gives them advice, he smiles. You know, yeah. like like a like a nice guy. He's like, yo, if you get separated, don't scream. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just helping Taylor. You got, you're carrying too much shit. I'll help you back this time. You know, and then doing like that, following up with them, doing the pre-check. I'm like, okay, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't need this. Yeah. We'd all yeah. like to think that we would be being a good, being a good sergeant and like looking out for that too. You know. Yeah. No, we all would but, like to be Defoe. We would all like to be Defoe in that situation. Thinking, I would like to think that I would be Defoe. Like I'd be good guy Defoe. Like I'm out there trying to help them. I'm Elias. You know. Absolutely. One thing about Barry's character, though, man, I just got to say before I forget, scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And then at 34, it still, still scared me. I was like, man, that was one bad motherfucker. <laughs> Take the pain. Take the pain. Take the pain. <laughs> yeah, Barringer's Barringer is really good in this. I, I, it's a little hammy, like in in hindsight, like if you just like thinking back, it's a very like performance performance. You know yeah. what I mean? Where you can, it feels like an actor putting on a performance, but you enjoy it anyways. Or do you feel like he? Do you feel like he enveloped the role? Like he was like he was he was what's his name? I, he was reality. I am reality, dude. I I didn't think of him at all this one. I just I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. Especially I'd see him just going in there, like uh, when he's figuring out everything, all the ideologues, and him just like you know scarred up, but still like ridiculously handsome. Like just boozing it up and just like completely calling them out. They're all there trying to like push each other up. Let's get uh, revenge, you know? Yeah, eye, eye for eye type of thing. Blah blah. He's like, "What do you guys know about killing?" And he just comes in like that whole, that whole stuff, like walks in there and like, "Well, six years just to me. I'm all by my lonesome. What's mm-hmm. doing that?" Like, 
just re- but I just love that whole like I am reality, and it just worked on like so many different like levels. Like I represent everything that you've seen that's not fair. <laughs> like yeah, uh, I, I am like survival, and like I am all these things that you hate, but. I'm at the end of the day, I'm still your platoon sergeant and I still own your ass. And like, uh, and just like, like in reality, <laughs> like in life, you got to deal with a shitty boss. You got to deal with all kinds of factors that aren't there. You're like your reality. And just like, I just, well, I, that's, know, I just, and they do bring this up in the movie, like in, in respect to Barnes, it's like, you love them when you need them and you hate them when you don't mm-hmm. like, you know, they actually, I think, uh, Charlie Sheen's character makes that like, makes that connection. Because when he first gets there, he has a lot of respect for Barnes, and they even say, and you know, we're re- we're we're hearing this narration, which is letters that Charlie Sheen's character is is you know writing to his grandmother and people back at home, that uh, the day when they attack the village, when they go and raid the village, in hindsight, he says like everybody loved Barnes that day, mm-hmm. even though Barnes obviously escalates things, right? Well, more than it had been escalated already. I will say, if any scene in this movie works, is impactful, is the raid on the village. Like, that is some fucking dark shit. That is yeah. some heart-wrenching... Uh, really, I really got, like, upset watching it. I was like, holy shit. I was, you know, just because... In a way that I never did when I was younger, you know? When you really see, like, you know, when Charlie Sheen, like, loses it. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to the, the autistic kid. You know, who's clearly an autistic kid. You know, <laughs> like you're like Jesus Christ, and then Dylan, and then Kevin Dylan comes in. Yeah, do them all, the whole fucking village. God. And like how they, and you know, and that's the the scariest thing about that stuff is because that shit happened. You know, when you're out there in the jungle and you become a fucking animal, yeah. and you're and you're in people's backyards, and then you're trying to like kind of discern their motives. Like, are they just trying to hide themselves because they're afraid? Or do they actually have something to hide? Like, you know what I mean? And they're trying to figure that out. And, uh, and losing patience. And, like, I can't even imagine. I can't even fucking imagine, like, what it's like to be in that scenario. Like, how the hell would I react? Would right. I be subject to peer pressure and, and mob think, you know, to get it over with? To survive? Because I feel like in the moment I have to do this just to live, you know? Yeah. It's a very intense scene. The whole section is very intense. I was just leading up to it, right? Because they see like uh, one of their own, like strung up, hung out by the uh, uh, by the river. After spending like two hours trying to find them, they see them like displayed in a very mutilated, you know, public way for them as a warning. Mm-hmm. And then they go up that way, and then just you know, they're already carrying that, already exhausted, already doing this. And they're going into there, looking at that, and then uh, the fact that the village, like. Um, was actually you know sympathizing you know with the uh uh with the south and uh and storing weapons and stuff so there was enough there that you know they're going to do this and you have all these mixed emotions yeah we're in somebody's backyard there's kids here there's women here there's an autistic kid you know charlie she just made dance you know but at the same time you know it's still a war and then they were like um you know hiding weapons you know from the south and it's in uh so like there was enough uh truth there to like where you're like going did it, like escalate, but he escalated feeling like uh, righteous. But then, you know, yeah. Well, just... well, the the most heartbreaking thing of that is he escalates it with a woman who's like, "Why'd you kill my fucking pigs? We're farmers." Yeah. And then and he shoots her in the head because he doesn't want to hear her yell. 
Like, it's a fucking dark, very dark moment. I think it's even more dark than maybe it's even presented, because it's presented as very matter-of-fact, and I think that's intentional. Because um, it kind of wants you, I think, as an audience to kind of question, like, where you're feel- how you're feeling about these characters and what they're doing. Be in the report. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of... Because, you know, Vietnam has interesting parallels to something like... Uh, like the you know all the war in the Middle East and Afghanistan and stuff like that, just because, yeah, I'm sure some of these people did sympathize with the with the with the military in their countries or the or you know or ISIS and stuff like that. But it's just like yeah, but there's also an occupying force in their backyard. Like what? How are you supposed? How are they supposed to feel? Are right. they you know how are people just supposed to be magnanimous and just be like well you know. You know, we're gonna we're gonna serve the greater good, no matter whether we know what that is or not. You know, like it's a very that's I can um, I can't even imagine. Like how confusing would that be? Like imagine if some if America was invaded, and we were tasked with like or just I mean we this happened in the Revolutionary War. You know, people hiding Revolutionary soldiers, you know, soldiers in their in their farms and stuff like that, and have their farms burned to the ground and whatnot. So. It's just a, one of those things when you get older and you actually start thinking about the context in which these things happen. It's like really heartbreaking, really, yeah. especially because of the complete, I guess, like kind of farce that the Vietnam War ends up being. In yeah. terms of just like a, this kind of really pointless thing where people were kind of radicalized to go fight communism in Vietnam, yeah, <laughs> you know, man, Chi Minh. Um, yeah, like they were going to come over and take over the world. Like it's almost absurd when you think about it. Like in hindsight, right? <laughs> With the Russians and the Chinese and everybody else, man. That's how they work. They build up the comrades. Cheese, man. Did you ever fucking history? Read a book, dude. Maybe you did. Maybe just the Oliver Stone history of the world. Maybe that's what you did. Yeah, he's looking. He got a little radical. He's a little radical about Oliver Stone. Out there. Out there. That I actually, you know, just to kind of put this movie in context, Oliver Stone. I watched the uh, Born on the Fourth of July this morning, and uh, that is much more like it's the second half of the story. Like if you if you went back and then that you you got kind of, uh, you know, it's like you know a a veteran story because it's about a guy who gets paralyzed and then goes back home and has to deal with life back home being a paralyzed veteran. And he ends right. up getting radicalized, or not radicalized, but being a very like an anti-war advocate, you know. And and they actually, he even like back in the eighties, Oliver Stone was also seeding in there, like, you know, what's wrong with communism? <laughs> You're like, okay, okay, Oliver. <laughs> you get that in the in the subtext of Born on the Fourth of July. A little bit, a little, it's there a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I actually. Um, I actually never watched watched that one. It's okay. It's okay. Since I'm fresh off that one, I think that. that uh, I think just like in Platoon, because we hadn't I hadn't gotten to this yet. I think uh, Tom Cruise was miscast in the same way I think Charlie Sheen is a little bit miscast. Emilio, yeah. I mean, I just don't think Charlie Sheen was a good enough actor. He comes off very like wooden. Like I don't really buy him very often. Mm-hmm. I don't. That was just my sense of it. Like I was just like, ah, eh. like he just seems. But Oliver Stone, they got along very well because right after this, they make Wall Street. Yeah, you know. So 
Which is a fun thing. Funny thing is like narration. I don't want to be another white kid on Wall Street, and then <laughs> like, and then he was the director. Yes, you will. You will be. <laughs> yeah, he's a. It's a. Yeah, that was. It's. It's not. A, it's not my favorite performance. And also, having over the past year, I had rewatched Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now came out in 4K, so I had to get that. And uh, so I ended up watching the final cut. They actually have a final cut of Apocalypse Now, which is uh, basically it's not as long as the the extended one, and it's not as short as the theatrical one. It finds that sweet spot in the middle where it's only like three hours long. Very good, though. So it's the best cut, in my opinion. But uh, once you watch that, and then you go watch Platoon, like, get the fuck out of here, Platoon. And also, it's just distracting that Charlie Sheen is in Platoon because of Martin Sheen and Apocalypse Now. Like, it doesn't... Ah. To me, it's not like this fun thing, like, oh, you know, the son is following in the father's footsteps, making a Vietnam... some seminal Vietnam movie. It's like, no, it's just distracting. I know who he is. I know. And Martin Sheen was much better. <laughs> He's a much better actor. And gives a much more... You know, I mean, Apocalypse Now has got a very different aim than Platoon does. I, like I said, I think Platoon is supposed to be kind of like a populist, straightforward, wants you to kind of experience some of the, the strife of the soldiers of Vietnam because, you know, this is only coming back. This is only comes out, what, like 10 years after people were protesting Vietnam, you know, at the end of the protest for Vietnam, like all like the, the social upheaval. It's only like 10, 15 years after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 1986 yeah. when this aired. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's not. Yeah, and the only other movie would would have been Apocalypse Now at that time, and that's not a flattering portrayal of, of Vietnam at all. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, but you know, you know what's crazy too is just like at that time too, it was it was safe to uh. You know, make non-flattery like realistic uh, depictions of you know of that war because it's so wildly un <clears throat> unpopular, right? Yeah. And at the war movies uh, or the conflict movies, right? Uh, of us like growing up, and it's just like different war because like we grew up to to love war, uh, well to support the troops, like whatever you know that platitude means. But like we were growing up to go enjoy that and kind of look, you know, like the other way and just, you know, appreciate like this, like sense of patriotism. So it's yeah, kind of just kind of blind patriotism, blind nationalism. And I think when you watch things like this, when you're young, you definitely get the mm -hmm. wrong idea. You get the yeah. wrong message. Like, honestly, like, you know, being 14 and thinking Tom Berenger is cool in this movie, uh -huh. the wrong message. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I have a sense memory of Paul Back when we were kids, being like totally like Team Berenger. Yeah. Not want to be. Yeah. He probably would have called. He probably would have called Elias a pussy. The guy can't die. The guy can't die. <laughs> He's like the Terminator of Vietnam. Yeah. Can't can't stop. Won't stop. No, not absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was. It was. I don't know. But I mean, um, it's a. Uh, it was really fun to uh, like uh, you know to revisit and I uh, definitely paid more attention to what was actually going on, not just on the surface now, especially with the uh, like uh, Taylor's like you know development and then the uh, and all like the subplots too. I mean, 
you know, civil rights era, uh, everything that you, you get all yeah, those, like it's all in there, light there it, but it's all there, you know, uh, talking about it where you get, you know, the same type of a uh, brotherhood, disdain, and unity, but it is split up between, you know, Team Elias and Team Barnes, right? There, yeah. there's the weed house, and then there's, you know, there's like the, the stone cold, like reality house, right? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I like I called it the old boys versus counterculture. Like it was reflective of like kind of the period of time of like the mm-hmm. the kind of the right wing conservative people in America and then like the hippie culture. And they were both mm-hmm. represented there by those two things. Because if you go into Barnes's uh I don't know, tent or whatever, you know, they're playing cards, they're making Jew jokes, calling each other faggot, like you know, they're doing all that kind of stuff. And then if you go into the Defoe tent, they're all smoking weed and singing songs of the of, of the era and all like hugging and dancing. Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, and it wouldn't be like military shit unless if there's like some borderline homoerotic shit going on. Because that's just that's just what happens, right? But I, sent, barrel, I, s- <laughs> yeah. I like that that picture. Uh, I, I sent Paul a picture. At the end of the movie, they do this thing where they do like a freeze or they do a little footage of all the major actors, all the main actors. And Defoe's is like maybe the, the gayest, <laughs> the gayest of them. And I'm not saying I have a problem. It just struck me as funny. Cause he's like almost seductively like eating a banana and smirking <laughs> at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, doing the wave, doing the wave. But, yeah, but um, I don't, uh, still appreciate it. Uh, you know, uh, revisit it too, but it just uh, I uh, didn't. I don't think it held up too well. <laughs> yeah, I'm very kind of. I'm very split on it because it's like one thing like I can recognize and like I think it's really well made. I think it kind of achieves what it's trying to achieve broadly, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah. yeah. So, but you still have you revisited it. Oh, for sure, for sure, and it's made me want to go revisit some other Stone stuff because I went back and you know I watched, like I said, I watched Born on the Fourth of July. That's also a very okay movie. Yeah, like I don't feel like I start liking Oliver Stone until he makes JFK. <laughs> like I really, I but you know what? It's been a long time since I watched JFK. I used to love JFK. I just like the way that movie is made. In and out, in and out. Oh, oh to the back and to the left. Back and to the left, back and to the left. Yeah. Um, but but no, I, yeah. I go for it. No, I was gonna say I just I feel like this is because it's so early in his career. He only made a couple movies. I think it feels like a guy that's only made a couple movies. And then you know making a movie on this scale out in the jungle, and having to deal with all the elements and all that bullshit and all your actors and all that stuff. Like that's just an under massive undertaking on its own, right? And then try to put a movie together. That's why it took them like three years to make Apocalypse Now. I mean, that movie's dude. Go back and watch Apocalypse Now as an adult. Maybe yeah. we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it someday. We'll read Hearts of Darkness and talk about Apocalypse Now because that's a movie you can really like sink your teeth into. Like this feels like a peanut butter sandwich, you know. And where dude. Apocalypse Now is like a steak. Like I'm, you got to yeah. chew on that fucking thing. But that movie, if you just think about the things that they were doing live in camera, this is no special effects. There's none of that stuff. You see a fucking helicopter swooping down. That's a helicopter swooping down. You know what I mean? You right. see somebody dropping fucking napalm bombs. <laughs> that happened, you know? In camera. On time. 
It's yeah. fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> no, that movie's nuts. That movie's seriously. That's it's a nut. It's a nut, and it makes something like this. Like I said, you're just like, oh, okay. Cute yeah. Oliver Stone. Very cute. Very cute. Very cute. Well, it was weird. But this, yeah, this, this, well, I'm sorry. It was just, uh, just nothing. Not a whole lot to, to chew on to the surface. So definitely glad I rewatched it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I picked up. I think I I uh, get the full movie now. I got the full everything uh, that you could get out of it. Out of it, you know, this time. Other than what we watch it for, like the gratuitous reasons uh, when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it did not. Uh, did not hold up well. There's not a lot of. Uh, like substance there, but some great, great uh, performances, yeah. and, and you know, and at the end of the day, I'm just an asshole, and you know, and this dude got an Academy Award for it. So I mean, well, it's it, it, it's it's weird because well, the movie the movie is so slight. Like everything that happens as far as character development, all that stuff happens within the first like 55 minutes. I checked, I looked, and then after that, there's two set pieces. It's the one when Elias dies. And then right after that, there's the uh, the ambush when they're in the when they're in the foxholes. So like basically, the movie's done telling a story within an hour, and then you're just kind of watching the some of the things you know some of the things come full circle or fall into place or whatever, like with Berenger. But uh, as far as like actual character growth after that moment, there's really not a lot there. That's what I will say. There's, there's just really not a lot to. <laughs> The only thing there that you learn is that, like you know, Taylor ends up just becoming a, he ends up becoming Barnes at the end of the day. For a he moment, didn't yeah. want, no, not for a moment. There's like zero remorse, like um, uh, like for like what he done and everything. And that was you know what he was like struggling with. It. He went full tilt into that. Where if he wasn't injured getting off that uh, to go on that uh, helicopter to leave the war. He would have been Barnes, like moving forward, because he would have got a step promoted because so many people died, and he would have been that guy with the good intention to be Elias, but he would have became Barnes. Yeah, because he just... yeah, because when he kills Barnes, it's essentially him giving in to this primal thing that Barnes had given into. You know, that was something mm-hmm. I was I was wondering when I was watching this. Like, are we seeing Barnes just at his breaking point in this movie, or is he already like broken? You know what I mean? Like, is does he actually just kind of lose it in this movie, like midway through this movie, or has he already lost it? I think so. Like when you say lost it, like just gone off the deep end. Well, like or... when he shoot when he shoots the woman in the head, like that seems like a big moment, and even the other characters around him react like, "Whoa, what are we doing?" Like, so it's almost like they had not seen that side of him before. So I was wondering, I'm like, did the the stresses just kind of finally get to him? And he's finally just like, this is jungle law. Like, we fucking do what we want out here. Like, he's almost like high on his own supply. Because you see that relationship with his superior where he's really in charge and that guy's really, the lieutenant isn't, you know? Oh, and go telling him, like, oh, yeah, Elias has nothing, so you have nothing to worry about. You know, like, you know, just like kissing up to his own subordinate, you know? Uh, which is like another another thing on this, because every, like, you know, commission officer, every, like, leader in the chain of command is, uh, like, a coward and doesn't really have a spine right because even with the, the command uh the actual commander there you know he's being briefed to tell him like we killed we killed civilians we didn't worth me okay we'll do a report and, and if i find out that uh there, there will be a court martial like you're in the fucking jungle in the heat of all this stuff like that you're going to yeah. threaten them with sending them back home like that is just a false thing like you know he didn't know what he's doing and then 
Uh, and then for later on, he calls in that bomb strike, right? He's having that whole correspondence with, you know, the pilot. They know this is my call. Drop it on us. Just drop it on us. Because he thought, you know, his number two got blown up by a suicide bomber in there. And mm-hmm. just like that. Uh, but he, like, showed remorse. So they're just looking at this massive pile of death from both sides all around there. Just like, you know, like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah, and, and that's... Yeah, I think and I think that, doesn't have any like uh, like remorse or, like, for that. He's, he's just happy, he's just like going around. There. I'm like, damn man, he, he turned into bummers. He turned into a piece of shit. I think I think there's definitely an argument for that. Uh, but and I I will say like what you said about kind of the confusion, like the mat, the chaos of that of that war specifically. Um, I do think it communicates that pretty well at the end because right, like you said, like it is about both sides like literally just killing themselves and each other like it's just mm-hmm. fucking madness and then when you really think about it you're like for what <laughs> but <laughs> but um because that's actually a theme that's also he followed through which is must have been something that oliver stone like must have something that affected him kind of realizing that because that also shows up in born on the fourth of july it's just about chaos and the, who the fuck are, who are we shooting at where are they coming from we don't know right you know, because right. in, in Born of the Fourth of July, uh, Tom Cruise's character shoots one of his own guys and kills him. And then he tries to come clean to a superior officer, and his superior officer is like, "I don't want to hear this shit. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. I don't want to hear this. Why are you coming and we, telling me this?" We have enough. To worry about. We have enough to worry about. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's interesting. Like just the uh, I guess the the practical realities and the kind of cold distance that's the people that were involved with executing on those things had and so it's almost like you can't really you can even even though like Behringer Barnes is so off-putting by the end of the movie you never kind of totally lose empathy for him because he's kind of created to be this way it's like Frankenstein's monster a little bit you know by the military by his experiences and by his leadership acting that way and also providing cover for them when they would do fucked up things and i mean that's yeah. no he became the product of the environment right and like at the end of the day like uh like in war you, you need you need that bar it's it's war it's hell like you, yeah. need, you need that person but like uh when you sustain there when there's no focus there's no mission in this whole case there's no what were they doing throughout the whole thing they were chugging along. They were chugging along. They, they didn't get intel to say, hey, go check out this village because there might be, you know, uh, South Vietnamese, like, you know, gun pile stock up there. No, they went to that village because they were following, like, who killed, like, one of their, who picked off, like, one of their guys. Yeah. Right? So, and then, and then that was just, everything was a re- reaction to everything born with Earth. So that, you know, that definitely layers into, like, you know, where nothing made sense and played into, like, all the chaos. Yeah. But there was, Nothing's going to happen. So when you have a killer, when they you train killers, that's what they're going to do. And yeah, uh, they become they, they become killers. They become they become amoral creatures, right? Like, and that's also seen right after the raid. Uh, uh, Sheen's character comes across like <laughs> the guys that he's in his squad raping, trying to rape two girls. Yeah, which is a weird. There's a weird moment because he looks back and Elias is there, or. And it's not very. It wasn't very clear to me because, like, was it was it, was it Elias? Kind of like, did he know that was happening? 
No, he came back. Uh, he came in at the tail end of everything. Well, said, "Get the fuck out. Let's move." But, but when he's but when he looked at them, when he looked at Charlie Sheen, it was like this look of like, "This is sometimes just how it is." Even though I don't agree with it, like I'm not going to stop it either. I don't know. Maybe that was just me reading too much into it. Like, is it almost kind of showing that nobody out here is great? Nobody out here is a good guy. I mean, I mean, the whole the, the craziest thing about the rape scene or the attempted rape was like this comes right after they have burned these people's village to the ground, yeah, and shot an old lady in the head. Yeah, and they're gonna snag a couple of kids, you know, and take them out back, and then uh, and call Taylor a faggot. You know, so like yeah, yeah. yeah. So at the beginning, yeah, this definitely would be made now. So, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he still—that's where he was still struggling with this, right? Like, I'm gonna shoot up there. I'd like, what do I do? This madness, but like, oh, that's where I'm going to draw the line. And you know, if that happened like later on into uh, later on in the film, you know. He probably wouldn't have given the fuck because he turned in the Barnes, but like well, but the whole thing, but the, well, the whole thing with him like being kind of morally opposed to Barnes, and that's why he ends up killing Barnes at the end. Is that out of like vengeance purely, or is there does he feel like there's some sort of moral obligation? And I also think Barnes wants to die. I don't think I think Barnes kind of is has a level of awareness of what he's become. And he's just kind of gone too far. And now he can't turn back. Well, yeah, because he challenged them to kill him. Uh, you know, in that bunker scene, the yeah, the thing, right? He did that um, before, and then, um, uh, and then just his recklessness with the you know the final raid. You know, like running out there as out of his helmet, grabbing a shovel, and like you know killing people. You know, and you, yeah, Taylor has that like last moment, like hey, the bomb's coming. Like, even after all that shit, like, what he knows, reaching out to him to let him know, but, hey, we gotta go. And then runs, turns around and starts in there, and you get that great scene with his freaking intense, crazy eyes about to knock out Taylor, and then uh, the ordinance hit, excuse me, ordinance hits, everyone blows out, and so in the morning, uh, uh, it's just crazy thing, and then he's, like, still struggling, like, with that, and then he just, like, looks at him and's like, fucking do it. So I think that striped out like any type of uh, moral, like a uh, obligation on like, Taylor's part, like to kill him. Um, sure. I think, I think he just wanted to. I think he just wanted to do it, and uh, using kind of revenge. Because uh, I mean, he literally just tried to kill him before the explosion. No, I know. So there's well, so there is an element of self-defense there. Because I don't think, like at the end of the movie, you're supposed to think that he's become Barnes. I think I think it's supposed to show that there is the pit. The... I'm just that's just oh, me okay. speculating. That's what happened because I think um, like because uh, you know it could have just been bad acting, but like there's no like I, I imagine you have a sense of relief like okay yeah I'm leaving, but just like it was very like cartoonish like all right well, I just it, killed somebody who was both like a, a father figure to me and somebody that terrified me and somebody that I you know wanted to be. And now, now, now I'm just moving. And now I'm just going on with uh, my life, and it was just like great. Like he felt like relieved that he did that. And uh, well, see, that's what I, I wish. I wish the movie had been more nuanced with that, and it wasn't such a clear dichotomy between Elias and uh, Barnes, because it would it would have been a lot more effective that whole last act if we had actually seen Barnes and Sheen's character uh, develop a relationship, because we don't see it. 
he just says it. Right. We, we hear about it in a letter, but we don't ever see it. As far as we right. see as an audience member, they never get it along. He never likes them. Right. So it's so if we had actually seen like, you know, Barnes tries to take him under his wing, maybe maybe the you know, the the moment at the village is when Sheen really sees him for who he is and he's like, I I'm getting too deep, I'm going too far. You know, that would have been an interesting kind of uh I guess bit of flavor to add to their character dynamics because as is like there is no reason for Charlie Sheen's character to ever give a fuck about Barnes at all. Mm-hmm. Other no. than I, I, other than I guess like kind of like this, this kind of soldier's loyalty, maybe that's kind of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot of that going on there too. So, well, no, that's true. They're all kind of out for themselves. Yeah, even uh, when Elias, you know, nobody, everyone says, yeah, it's fucked up, but nobody wants to do anything. And the only one that does anything is just the dumb rich kid, you know. Like, they had that great exchange with, you know, Keith David's character and uh, Sheen's character, and he just talked about what he wants to do, and he's just like, shit, only a rich kid can have a thought like that, you know. <laughs> like, I actually so wrote like, that down on my notes, yeah. You got to be a rich kid in the first place to think like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost like I feel like this was like it's it's almost like uh, Oliver Stone like being defensive because <laughs> he's it's somewhat autobiographical, and that's Oliver Stone. Like he's like a upper middle class kid who went to Vietnam, I think by choice. I think he volunteered uh, because he comes from a, a a history of family lineage of soldiers, so yeah. he wanted to be part of that. And it's almost like uh. Um. Uh, yeah, like it's almost like it's kind of weird because it ends up not mattering, and maybe that's the point: is that it just doesn't matter when you're out there. The class thing just doesn't matter at all. Once you get out there, everybody's on the same page when you're out there. Everybody's the same now. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of expected that to play more into it, when especially when when it was actually pointed out. But it yeah. but it wasn't so. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, and like a lot of these things are, you know, political in terms of like awards or accolades, you know. Um, I think you brought to my attention that uh, the Black Panther got an Academy Award or was nominated for it or some shit like that. Yes. Um, so, like with Platoon, you know, being, you know, not too far off from like, you know, when the war ended, you know, like getting those accolades, you know, how much you think that was played into that? Because just watching it, like, Behringer Defoe, that was great. You had the iconic scenes, and like I guess for the time, uh, things that kind of like when I said like you know didn't age well, like showing at the end all the stills, you know from that like you know like a sitcom show, you, and this like you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot but, of movies like, do that though. Even Predator does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it does, but it's, like I said, it doesn't age well. That doesn't age well now. I don't enjoy things like that. Yeah, like it's corny. Well, it's it's yeah well it is definitely a little corny like the movie is a little corny but i would say you know it's weird this was one of three vietnam movies to come out within a three-month period mm-hmm. this comes out full metal jacket came out and hamburger hill came out all within three months <laughs> that's probably and and platoon was chosen to be the one mm-hmm. you know because if you go watch full metal jacket it's much more you know it's very Kubricky. It's very kind of cold and distant and intellectual, and 
there is actually a lot of philosophical stuff to get into there about the nature of war and radicalizing young men and the process they go through to radicalize themselves and each other. Like that plays way, it's a much, you know, a different movie. It's got a different aim. Uh, and Hamburger Hill is actually a lot like Platoon. I haven't seen Hamburger Hill in a long time though, but I remember it being a lot like Platoon in the sense of like, it just feels like a, like a movie. Like a right. movie movie. Like just kind of standard boilerplate thriller war action movie. Yeah. You've seen yeah. you've seen you've seen Hamburger Hill, haven't you? No, I long... haven't. Oh, you've not, never seen but, that? Oh. It's, uh, left me with it and be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you, no, I thought... you outed me. You outed me. <laughs> kept pressing. You kept fucking pressing. So well, you've seen Full Metal Jacket though. Yeah, yeah. Probably a long that. time ago. Yeah. 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 What you actually, you know, it's weird because I, it will be, it'll, it'll, once we get to Full Metal Jacket, when we start keep doing the Kubrick stuff, like it'll be interesting to have this, have watched Platoon. Yeah. Juxtaposing to Full Metal Jacket. That's what I was going to tell you afterwards. Just uh, like, that's why I want to talk about that kind of like set up and, um, because we'll have like some context of the other films of that area when we dissect like, uh, yeah, Full Metal Jacket. But but yeah, no, man. I mean, um, I, I not not to harp on it, uh, like, uh, but it was just like I enjoyed, I enjoyed like revisiting it, and I think you know at this time mm-hmm. I, I closed the chapter on you know this film uh, for myself. I think at this point I got everything I needed to get out of. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it aged up well. I appreciated like what it was in my youth and like why uh, did it. Also makes me reflect what a fucked up mm-hmm. kid we were. Well, then you too. Um, for, like watching this all like why do we watch I had Vanessa never watched it I'm showing it uh, and she was watching with me she's like oh my god and especially when we get to the village scene there is when she stopped and watched it after and she's like this, this, and this was your favorite movie like like how old were you and I was like 13 like, <laughs> and you watch it I'm like hey now hey 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 <laughs> Troy Troy wake up get oh, in here wake up watch Platoon I'm gonna make a man out of you so this guy, this is Barnes. This is what I want you to be. No. Yeah. This is who you no. strive to be. Elias, Elias, that guy's a, he's a pussy. He's a pussy. He's a pussy. No, no. It was, uh, it was a great time, like, revisiting. Uh, it didn't hold up well. And uh, now I, I don't think I'll ever, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But. Oh, really? Um, Never again? It doesn't, change. it doesn't hurt the fact that, uh, um, it was still, it's still a good, I think it was a good movie for its time. And I think it's, a. Uh, it's a good story because it's Lord of the Flies, and that's a great plot. And it's just like every fucking movie that wins an Academy Award over something else, right? Because like history is going to look back and be like, Full Metal Jacket is the good movie out of the three that came out that year, or that during that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be Platoon. <laughs> Platoon is the one that won all the awards, but Platoon is probably not going to be the one people remember in 50 years. Right, it's gonna be Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket. Probably, actually, probably more likely just Apocalypse Now, just because uh, the, the feat of making that movie is so, just on a technical level, is like kind of so astounding. It's like yeah. hard not to just like have a ton of respect for. Well, I don't know if it's respect or whatever, but uh, apparently Francis Ford. I mean, it took him three years to do it, and then Francis Ford Coppola kind of lost his mind. There's a great documentary. Uh, if we ever watch. Apocalypse Now. We'll have to watch the documentary around the same time. It's called The Hearts of Darkness about the making of it. And it's basically just Coppola going fucking crazy in the jungle because he moved his family out there. 
Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> we started watching the um the five that came back. Uh, oh yeah, on the that. one about all the uh, propaganda movies. Yeah. I haven't watched it. It sounds like interesting though. Yeah, we watch it, but in a, yeah, and we'll say for now. It actually might be a fun fun thing that like uh, to do about it. But like so far, I, like you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like you know like historical things and the way they're framing it. But like. Uh, yeah, I definitely think just you know uh, glorifying you know propagandists and like, uh, so I mean it's well because it was like all these directors that what served came back and they wanted them to help them make movies for the war effort. Isn't that the premise of the documentary? Um, just John Ford's like one of the directors, right? Am I thinking of the same thing? Yeah, no, that that's the premise, but they but they're just glorifying like uh. Like, what, you know, like what they, and, yeah, I don't know. Not, not, not prepared to talk about it. Like I said, like one episode in, and then I'm like, if you know me. Like, well, you could be like those guys, or you could be like uh, John Huston. John Huston made this movie in the 1940s called uh, Seeing the Light, and it was about uh, it was about veterans that came back from World War II. No, it was called Shell Shocked. It was about mm-hmm. veterans that came back from World War II, and they're all fucked up. Because it's a documentary that takes place in the in the VA hospital, and you're seeing kind of the effects of PTSD and mm-hmm. uh, shell shock, literally shell shock, because that's what they used right. to call it back then. And like men are just like break down in tears, like it's very intense. But it was the the government showed it like twice and then buried it for like forty years. <laughs> so from like 1946 when it was made, it was not available for public consumption until like the late 70s, early 80s. Because they were like, we can't show people this. <laughs> right, right, right. And no, I can't. It's actually what uh the movie The Master is heavily based on, or part part of like the uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character being the 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 soldier, or being the veteran, because he's yeah. a World War II veteran. It's supposed right. to kind of informs his character type of experiences he would have had as well. But yeah, let's uh, yeah. be just speaking of war propaganda. Do you think something like Platoon can't help but also just be war propaganda? Because it romanticizes the notion of being a soldier in war. Absolutely, right? Because here's the thing uh, like when we are, you know, 13, 14, watching, thinking, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, maybe other kids would do that. Make, oh, I want to join, you know, get into this stuff, not knowing, right? There is an attraction to that, like, you know, like a. Like in Pinocchio, just go in there and just gratuitous everything, you know, get your fill of it, all the stuff, and then there's consequences later on, you know, in life that will uh-huh. fuck you up forever, but it'll get you, it'll get you in the door. Um, but, but then there's also the, because like, what, what are you getting now other than like, you know, like war is hell and this uh, development of, you know, uh, like this rich kid who turned, uh-huh. who became a worse person than he was prior to going in, you know, like what do you get out of that movie from that stuff other than? You know, like, you know, that story, like, there's no... Well, because it, it romanticizes the notion of service. It romanticizes the idea of living through that experience. Just a, it, innately it does, whether it means to or, or not. Like, it's just kind of there. There's a director, uh, Truffaut, old, this French director from the 60s, and he made a famous statement one time. He's like, you cannot make uh, an anti-war movie out of a war movie. You just can't. Because innately, as soon as you put it on film, as soon as you photograph it beautifully... Like it just makes it attractive. It's just what it is. 
There is no ugly war in a movie. Like we can say, like, oh yeah, look, they're covered in mud. It's so disgusting. It's yeah, and he changes mind. He would have changed his mind. Well, actually, what is it? Roger Ebert said that. He said Truffaut should. Um, I wish Truffaut was alive to see Platoon. Nothing pleasant about this. Uh, These guys get eaten by mosquitoes. One time when I was out in Martha's Vineyard, yeah, I got eaten I don't... by mosquitoes too, and I know what that's like, and it's awful. <laughs> Imagine a million mosquitoes that you can't escape. Imagine yeah. it. Yeah. No, but I think there's a lot to be said in that. I think I there's a lot of truth in that sentiment that you can't make an anti-war movie because they'll. Yeah. Uh, no matter like who's looking, somebody will think that will be cool. Like what some people think, oh, that is terrible, that's horrifying. Well, you're that trying to make you're trying to make else. a piece of you're trying to make a piece of entertainment. So you mm -hmm. want it to be shot well. You want people mm -hmm. to like the characters. You know what I mean? Like there are just these these mechanisms inside storytelling that almost don't allow it mm -hmm. to not be attractive like i said like not to be something like gorgeous just on like a, a completely superficial level you know what a good anti-war movie go watch jojo rabbit you know <laughs> oh fuck that movie i don't know right in the feels right in the feels did you like jojo rabbit uh it was fun i okay. liked it about as much as like thor ragnar <laughs> i thought it was what i thought it was okay i was like the joke stopped being funny like 45 That's minutes in. I'm like, I get it. It's, it's a great date night movie. It's a great date night movie. It's yeah. Good. Let me tell you what. You want to get laid? You show your lady Jojo Rabbit and say things like, uh, look how bad they have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right, right in the feels, man. Right in the feels. Yeah. Uh, Butter Falcon, you know, for a rainy day. You got to pull that out. got to be sly. <laughs> is, that like, is that like one of your moves? Like, oh. I, well, I think gone. in the history of film, like, like chick flicks, you know, they, those types of like became a thing. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. Well, That's why they make millions and millions of dollars, man. Do you think Peter Butter Falcon's a chick flick? Uh, yeah, it's a chick flick. I didn't watch the MC for it. Oh. It's a, do you think Peanut Butter Falcon's a chick flick? It's just a, like indie drama. It's like a coming of age story. The fuck ever. It's a date night movie. <laughs> chick flick, same thing. Like, what do you? No, a chick it, flick it, is like is like Pretty Woman. Is like Legally Blonde. It's <laughs> uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Fried Green Tomatoes. And it's anything with the fucking Transformers kid in it. Oh my god. The buff. Oh, beef. 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 Yeah. That's what I, yeah, call him. I call him the beef. Are you excited for his new movie? He got a stomach tattoo. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's playing like a cholo. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, the, the oh, guy that made... Uh, the guy that, in this the, climate? Yeah. In this climate? Yeah, in this climate. He's got... He's a yeah, serious actor, okay? Now he got Ooh. this whole fucking midriff tattoo, a real one, for the role. Mm. And mm. Uh, it's directed by David Ayer, the guy who did End of Watch... Fury, Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, End of Watch and Fury are pretty good, though. End of films, right? Wait, was that the one with the uh, Gyllenhaal and uh... yeah, the cops? The one that's like all yeah. handheld footage. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an entertaining yeah. movie. Yeah, no, no I, I remember, I remember liking it. I remember what, like it. Be more entertaining. It was I watched that? Uh, watched that? Uh, blind spotting. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched that. 
Is that the one that the, like the yeah? yeah. I, uh, watch, watch it so I can talk to you about it. Okay. No, just, okay. Well, I can't. I still got to watch the new Beyonce music video on Disney. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got that sound. I, I got. I gotta. I gotta get on that. Yeah, you like the Lion King, right? It's all about the Lion well, King. It's on like the Amazon Fire Stick, right? And so they'll just blur it out like all the advertisements and shit like that. Disney Plus, like everything's popping up on there. So I've seen that, and I was like, oh man, a Beyonce film. <laughs> shit, shit. I but, hear like, flat earth. I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I hear it's the best thing since Lemonade. Cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. pretty big and, deal. And on Disney Plus, that's pretty spicy, man. Yeah, look out, cinephiles. Spicy, man. Hamlet is on Disney Plus. Hamlet? I check, yeah, check that sucker out. Which one? The Kenneth Branagh Hamlet? Hamilton. I'm so oh, sorry. Hamilton. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Uh, no, I ref- I refuse to watch Hamilton. I have no interest in it whatsoever, and I will not be peer pressured by society to watch Hamilton. Okay. I won't do it. Okay. What did you think? What did you think of Hamilton? I thought it was very entertaining. Okay. And, and I think if you have nothing to do and you have Disney Plus, you should take advantage and uh, watch it. I then, have. I literally own thousands of movies. Okay. I'm not going to be watching Hamilton. I could go watch my beautiful. I'll go watch some more another German silent film before I watch that shit. I think you would appreciate. Um, like uh, like stage wise and everything like uh, what they what they put into it did that sure um, yeah of course I think, I think a lot of the uh, um, uh, like some of the the songs yeah. it probably probably won't do too much for you and uh, and, and I love people, like, what are you trying like, oh, to say this is not historically accurate at all I'm like I know I know like Jefferson wasn't black right he just did black people <laughs> like but uh, but it was. Uh, I, it was a fun. It was a fun. It was a fun thing to watch. And, uh, I can't believe a lot of things you can appreciate about. It, but you should totally watch it so we can talk about it some more. All right. Well, maybe I won't tell anybody though. So as far as anybody knows, right now I will never watch it. It'll be a uh, secret. It'll be a secret. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. I was. I was out, out you just like you outed me on Hamburger Hill. <laughs> Uh, not a big, oh, yeah, yeah, I want the speed. I want, I want Charles oh, level. Yeah. It's all that bullshit. No, no. You, 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 know, you know, so now that we're recommending movies, you know, you got HBO Max? I think you do. If you have an HBO Max. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you have HBO Max, you got to watch this. It's an old silent film. I've been trying to get everybody I know to watch it. The Passion, okay. the passion of Joan of Arc. Passion of Joan Wait, no, that's the one from the 60s. Right? No. No, it's a silent film. Yeah, 1927. Oh. Or 29. Uh-huh. Either way. Get your shit together, dude. I'm trying to write it down. Is it 27 or 29? <laughs> Somewhere in the 20s. But uh, it is a... The Passion of Joan of Arc. The Passion of Joan of Arc. It is about the last few days of Joan of Arc's life, basically her trial last few days of her trial and uh check out on zoobox uh zoobox youtube page i reviewed it a couple weeks ago it's really great i'm trying to get because it's one of these movies that's just like even if you never thought you would ever want to watch a silent movie it's so good like it's so impressive like it's the guy who made that was so ahead of his time he was much better than oliver stone 
<laughs> a much better director than Oliver Stone. Better than Stone, but no Kubrick, you know? So. Oh, no. Nobody's Kubrick. Yeah. Although, yeah, I'd put him in the same league. We got, you know, we got this Carl Theodore Dreyer, this dude from the, the 20s. Then you got, like, uh, Orson Welles. Then you got, like, Kubrick. Like, those guys are just on a different, they're just a different class, you know? Special. Special boys. Alfred Hitchcock, maybe? He's probably one of those guys. You could put yeah. him in that group. Hitchcock? Holy shit. Dude, go back and watch Hitchcock movies when you're an adult. It's awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Like so fucking good. I saw Birds a couple of years ago. Huh? Oh, the birds are the birds is great. It's just a weird movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, is. it is. It just like like we talk about the Kubrick all the time. It's just like for adults. Like I'm not going to explain shit. You get out. You you take that. Yeah. You, know, you you take it from there. So yeah. And, yeah there's, 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 a lot, there's a lot. No, there's a lot, just appreciate from that. Yeah. All right, well, do you have any closing thoughts on the film Platoon other than the fact that you're never going to watch it again, apparently? <laughs> uh, Barnes is scary. Scary awesome. The foe is the foe. And I think it's a staple, staple uh, um, character, really. I think that's isn't that really what put him on the map? Uh, I think so. I mean, he was. Defoe is the kind of guy that just always worked. He's just always worked since he started doing little bit parts here and there. But this is probably one of his first major, like, he got awards for it, right? He got nominated for it. I think this would have been the first one. Like that since Spider Man 2. <laughs> hey, dude, Will Defoe is a great actor. I've, I don't think I've seen a movie. I don't think I've seen a Defoe movie that I did not like him in. Like, I might not like the movie, but Defoe is always, always good. Remember the one where we grew up, all the neighborhood kids loved the, the oh. Boondock Saints? I, I loved it too at the time. Yeah. I know, you stupid fuck. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. I've never liked that movie. Never, you fucking I never it was, did. It was fun. <laughs> There's too many people you didn't like that liked that movie. Yeah. I had a few people ruin a couple a couple big movies with Boondock Saints and Super Troopers. They just wouldn't stop talking about it, and then I finally see it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is what this whatever. This fucking sucks. It's fucking dumb." Super Troopers takes place in Vermont, just like Whistling Pig. <laughs> Six years, highly recommend. So, um, yeah, I I think I'll I could watch Platoon maybe one more time in my life. Maybe I'll wait another. I'll wait like twenty years, then I'll go revisit Platoon. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have a different appreciation for it. Maybe I won't. Probably not. Um, although, there, I do want to revisit some Stone movies, though. I'd really like to rewatch Natural Born Killers. I have not seen that in a long time. That was Stone, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a movie that's kind of ahead of its time, ahead of the curve, a little bit. Yeah. But he's done so much shit. He's done so much well, he had a pretty good run for a while, right? Like, so he does uh, Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio is actually really good. It's a really underrated. It's like a little thriller. Uh, yeah, Born yeah. on the Fourth of July was okay. The Doors, I can't remember enough of the Doors to remember if I. Yeah, it sucks. Al Kilmer was a good Jim Morrison. That's yeah, I remember just yeah. I always. I don't know. I watched it at service level at age fourteen. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, he did JFK, Heaven and Earth, Natural Born Killers, Nixon. Yeah, Nixon's. Mm. I actually really like Nixon. It's really, I really enjoy mm. that movie. 
What, have you ever seen Any Given Sunday? Remember the football one with Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx? He did that one? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, and then he did Alexander. I never watched that one either. Never watched that one. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't done much much lately. I think he's kind of done. Oh, he did Snowden. Pulled the trigger a little early on that guy. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's like when... That's like when counterculture just makes its own propaganda. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that one was a piece of shit. But um, it was it even even as a guy that I kind of like, too. Um, yeah, me too. I like Snowden. But the movie is just like, why? This should have been waited like 10 years to make this movie. Maybe 20. Yeah. Yeah, it slows down a little bit. And like, he should have done better, too. Mm-hmm. Some things get better with age. Some things don't, you know? So... But I digress, man. But yeah, thanks for uh, watching Platoon with me, man. Of course, of course. I will watch anything except for Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Just not recorded. Just not recorded. Yeah, just not. No, I'll never watch it. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck, everyone. I'll tell you what. If somebody wants to send me $1,000, I'll watch Hamilton tomorrow. If I get $1,000, somebody contact me. I will send you my PayPal.me and, uh, and you give me $1,000 and I watch Hamilton. Give me 1,000 Litecoins. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know if that's the same thing. I don't know how that stuff works. I'm not a hacker. Yeah, just get a crypto wall, man. I'll put it in there, man. I'm not a hacker. I'm not part of Anonymous. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, next time, next time Paul and I get together, I think we're going to be doing the Clockwork Orange, right? Yeah, yeah. That's on the dark docket. Kubrick boys will reunite. We'll continue on with the uh, the Kubrick stuff, and then actually, I have some. I have a, another thing to pitch to you after after uh, Clockwork Orange, but another another deep dive. Oh. So it's another one that'll be like headache inducing, and you'll never want to talk about it again. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so look forward to that, everybody. Dude, because I wanted, I, I needed a break. I was like, man, I can't, I, I don't want to lose like doing this with you. But I'm like, I can't, I can't get into another. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it might be a good idea, maybe if we do like a Kubrick and then do like something in the middle, maybe something that's related to a later Kubrick movie, even like so. Platoon, kind of once we hit a uh, Full Metal Jacket, we now we have reference for right. kind of that movie, so. It actually ends up, and I think uh, there's something that I think is like almost like a companion piece to Clockwork Orange that I want to do maybe after we do a Clockwork Orange. Um, but all right. Anyways, goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Paul. Where can we find out more about Zoobox Nation? Oh, Zoobox Nation? Well, everybody knows. Uh, links in the description for Facebook, Instagram, my personal Twitter. If you'd like to make a recommendation, I will put it on the list. I don't know when we'll get to it, but I will put it on the list. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Smug.